Thank you very much, and good morning to everyone. I, it's certainly been a privilege to have been involved with uh, a journey of discovery such as Voyager. Uh, it's an opportunity that really happens on, only once in a lifetime, and I hope someday you too will have such a journey. When Voyager was launched, uh, we were all expecting, of course, that we would be discovering a lot of things because we were knew, we knew we were going out to at least Jupiter and Saturn when Voyager was launched in 1977. But none of the scientists, none of us, were prepared for the wealth of discovery which awaited us in the outer solar system, where we found dozens of diverse, distinct worlds. At Jupiter, we found a great red spot was actually a huge hurricane-like storm, three Earths across, with winds of 200 miles per hour around its periphery. We found a, a moon called Europa, uh, which has an icy cover of possibly covering an, a water of uh, uh, an ocean of liquid water. And we also discovered that the moon Io had eight active volcanoes. At Saturn, we found that the ring system was incredibly complex, and there are features there we still uh, have yet to understand. And of course, we flew by the moon Titan, as large as the planet Mercury, but it's a moon because it's in orbit around another planet, half water ice, but most interestingly, it has an atmosphere 1.6 times the pressure here on Earth, with nitrogen mainly as here on Earth, but with methane, natural gas, in its atmosphere. Uranus, still further out, 20 times as far from the sun as the Earth, very much colder, and there we found that the magnetic field was very peculiar. The magnetic poles are actually down near the equator of that planet, a totally unexpected orientation for a magnetic field. And we found a small moon, a mere 300 miles across or so, which is the most complex we've yet seen in the solar system. That was the moon Miranda. Onward, outward to Neptune, 30 times as far from the sun as the Earth. And there's, even though the amount of energy provided by the sun is only 136th that provided to Jupiter, we found that Neptune, too, had a great storm system, which we called the Great Dark Spot. And we found that the moon of Neptune, called Triton, uh, was the coldest object we'd seen in the solar system, a mere 40 degrees, 38 degrees above absolute zero centigrade. And so cold that the nitrogen is actually frozen out in a polar ice cap. But even in such a cold world, we found that there were geysers spewing material miles above in a very tenuous atmosphere. Now, Voyager's journey is not over yet. Uh, we have enough power, enough fuel to last for another 25 years. But we listen to Voyager every day. 25 years from now, Voyager 1 will be 130 times as far from the sun as the Earth. Now. You might say, what's out there? The sun has a solar wind blowing radially out in all directions, and that wind blows a bubble in the interstellar gas which fills the space between the stars. Each star has such a bubble. Our bubble is called the heliosphere. We don't know how large it is, but we believe that possibly before the Voyagers finally run out of power, that one of them may actually leave this bubble, leave the heliosphere, and enter into interstellar space for the first time. That will be after I retire, but maybe one of you will be working on Voyager at that time. 
What else is ahead? You already saw in the video that Galileo will fly by Earth again this December, being given another kick on its way out to Jupiter, where it will arrive in December of 95. It will fly by the moons of Jupiter 100 times closer than Voyager did, revealing even more clearly the very interesting properties of, say, that moon Europa, which may have an ocean of water under its ice coating. Uh, Ulysses, which two years from now will be over the south pole of the sun, the first spacecraft ever to explore that part of our solar system. This September, Mars Observer will be launched, the first U.S. mission back to Mars. It will go into orbit about less than a year later and will provide the highest resolution images we've ever achieved from, uh, from a planetary mission where we'll be able to see objects about six feet across on the surface of Mars, allowing us to pre start preparing the maps that we'll need for the future surface exploration, which is the exploration, I think, of the next century. And then there's the Cassini mission, which will go into orbit around Saturn and will drop a probe into the atmosphere of Titan, measuring the complex hydro, uh, hydrocarbon chemistry that's occurring there today because of the action of sunlight. We believe that, in fact, there might be lakes of liquid hydrocarbon liquid ethane on the surface of Titan created in the atmosphere today by the action of sunlight. And that the chemistry going on there today may have a lot to teach us about the chemistry which occurred early in the Earth's atmosphere before life evolved. And we're planning still more things. Pluto is the only planet we haven't yet visited. And I'm hoping that sometime not too far into the next century we will actually be on our way to Pluto and that we will be back on the surface of Mars with small micro-rovers beginning the next phase of exploration of the solar system. Now, I've often been asked, what's the most important discovery Voyager made? And I can't really say what the most important one that was. There were really too many and too diverse. But there is one discovery which I think in one way symbolizes what Voyager taught us, and that's the discovery of the volcanoes on Io. Totally unexpected that an object in the outer solar system would have active volcanoes on it, an object the size of our own moon. And of course, it's being heated by the tremendous tidal flexing of its crust as it orbits uh, Jupiter, forming lakes of liquid sulfur on the surface, which are so hot they can be t detected by Earth-based telescopes. In fact, they had been detected, but the idea that there were lakes of liquid sulfur on this little moon was such a bizarre idea that nobody had suggested it before Voyager flew by. What this taught us was that, in fact, what we needed to do for our, our rest of our mission, for Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune, was do the best we could to plan, plan our observations but what, on what we knew and what we could conceive, but to do so in such a way that we did not miss the opportunity of making the most exciting discoveries, those which we could not possibly expect. And in thinking about my career, I realized they're very similar, very similar to that. When I was your age, the space age hadn't even begun. There was no way that I could imagine that 20 or 30 years later I would be exploring the solar system. I was actually a graduate student in the University of Chicago when Sputnik was launched. And I began a thesis in space physics. But even at that time I had no idea that I would be in fact involved in planetary exploration starting in 1972. And certainly I had no idea that 20 years after that I would be the director of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. So it's it, I think that it's important, the most important things in my career, in fact, were not things I could have anticipated or planned for. But what I did have at each point was a goal to pursue science at the frontier. And I prepared 
to pursue that goal as well as I could at the time. And I provided, I had I achieved an, uh, an education which is broad enough so that when the opportunity came to deal with the broad range of science that's, that comes from planetary exploration, that I was ready. Now I know that each of you has a goal and each of you are prepared to work hard to achieve that goal. But don't be surprised if in the years ahead you're doing something even more interesting than you think you're, you're planning to do today as you pursue your own journey of discovery. Thank you. Uh, my name's Jim Shotler. I'm from uh, Parker, Colorado. I have a question about your, uh, your aircraft or your spacecraft moving towards the sun. And how close is that going to get to the sun and how are you protecting it against the heat? Actually, it turns out that Ulysses is not actually going to get very close to the sun. It went out to Jupiter, which is five astronomical units out, where Earth is at one. It was deflected downward by Jupiter, and when it's under the sun, it will actually be two astronomical units below the sun. So in fact, it will actually be further from the sun than at the time it was launched. But it will be over the solar poles for the first time. Um, I'm Pamela Dites from Marshall, Minnesota. I was wondering, do you think that the terraforming of Mars is very likely in the near future? I think terraforming, that is, trying to create an atmosphere and environment on Mars like here on Earth, is an interesting intellectual exercise. But I don't believe it's something that is very practical. In fact, the way I think of it, we have enough difficulty understanding how our own environment works, and it therefore is not at all clear to me that we're nearly smart enough to understand how to create an Earth-like environment on another planet. But it's a very interesting and important intellectual exercise. Uh, yes, my name is Aaron Schatz from Sharon, Massachusetts. Uh, it's on the same line. Uh, what kind of what kind of situation do you think the Mars probe uh, man mission that's being predicted is going to be? What time? What year? Do you mm. think we'll be able to do it? And do you think it'll be done with uh, cooperation with the European Space Agency, the Russians, or mostly just an American? Possibility. I think there's a definite trend that we already have many of our missions are joint international missions, not, of course, with the Russians so far to any great extent. But I do believe that as, as we move out into the exploration of the solar system, that, in fact, it will become much more international than it already is. In terms of the time scale, uh, I think that the uh, human exploration of Mars is uh, sufficiently difficult uh, and challenging that it's many decades off and that there will be plenty of opportunity for any of you in this room to participate. Dr. Edward Stone, thank you very much.